Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theatre in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Before we begin, I wanted to give a special plug to an upcoming event. Cherry Poppins and Diana Carfire will be co-hosting a benefits show to raise money for Nick Bainham, partner of Bella LeMay, as he undergoes a complicated cancer treatment. The fundraiser will be at Albatross Bar in Astoria on February 25th from 7 to 10. The evening will be DJed by Joey Paradise and feature many performances, including one by today's guest, Gilda Wabbit. If you can't make it to the fundraiser, shoot me a message for other ways to donate. And as always, follow us on Twitter and visit theaterinthenow.com for the latest news, reviews, and interviews. I am here today with the meme queen herself, Gilda Wabbit. How are you? I'm good. How are you, babe? Great. Um, How has your week gone so far? Uh, It's been a little wild. Yeah. We had on Wednesday the super full blue blood moon with a lunar eclipse, and the energy leading up to that was crazy. Yeah. I heard a rumor that you were one-eyed this week. Oh, I was one-eyed this week. Yes. I um, (laughs) am... My doctor says that my sinus infection turned into an eye infection. That's so cute. Thank you. Thank you. I'm grateful. I'm feeling much better now. That's, that's all that matters. Yeah. My theory is that my cat farted on my pillow. Obviously. Right. And then I got her feces in my eye. Obviously. Um, so we're going to learn everything there is to know about Gilda. Oh, girl, and let's Sam, go. And everything we need. I love it. So let's start with, where are you from? Um, originally, I'm from Kentucky. I was born in Louisville. Like the baseball bat. Yeah, the Louisville baseball bat, exactly. And, and the um, Kentucky Derby. Yes. And everything like that. Yeah, I love horses. Do you? I really do. I, I spent most of middle school um, in the summers working on a horse farm so I could um, learn how to ride horses for free. That's amazing. So I'd like barter work for training. Did you ever aspire to have a racehorse? No, I I didn't want to race and I didn't want to do shows. I just liked you liked horses. horses and I wanted to be around them. What what is the energy in Kentucky with like the Kentucky Derby? I mean, the energy around the Derby is is crazy. It's it's essentially it runs our tourism department and it attracts people from an, a huge international audience. Like if you if you want a hotel room in Kentucky, especially in Louisville or Lexington, the two bigger cities around there. Around the time of the Derby, you're spending more money than I Thousands. spend on rent a month here. Damn. Yeah. Um, were you someone growing up who watched the Derby? Was it like a family thing? Always. We would go to... So my, my grandparents lived on a private lake in southern Indiana. Um, so it was like sort of rural and everyone around the lake knew each other. And so we would go up there and then everyone on the lake would do a big betting pool to see who won. What was, what is, if you can remember, what is the craziest horse name you, re, you remember or loved? Can I be honest with you and say that I don't remember them very that's well? That's fine. That's fine. I, um, I'm really bad at names. Okay. If you ever catch me at one of my shows, you'll see me going around the audience being like, what's your name? Okay, perfect. And then I'll go through the audience, everyone I've been to and say their name back again. It's like that game you play in high school where yeah. you like have to be like, my name is this. And you go around the room and have to remember it all. I have to do that or I forget. Sure. Sure. Where did you go to school? Um, I went to school, do you want to call it college, yeah? Yeah. I went to school at the University of Kentucky, which is a public university, and it's one of the top 20 schools for opera, according to the American Richard Tucker Foundation. And you studied? Opera. That's amazing. And how did you fall into opera? I 
had been told my entire life, Sam, that's my boy name, Sam. I had been told, Sam, you're not a singer. Don't sing. And when I got to high school, I said, fuck everyone's opinions. I want to sing. And I auditioned for choir and I got in and then I auditioned for the musical, right? And for the- What was the show? We were doing Anything Goes. Of course. Um, It was my sophomore year. Me and a freshman were called back for the lead. Me, a sophomore who had been told never to sing by everyone around me, and a freshman. To play Billy. To play Billy. I. Not Reno. No, no. (laughs) Although now, now, baby, um, I was, I lost that role to the freshman. Interesting. And I got pissed off, and I hired a voice teacher, and my voice teacher said, "Mm, You should study opera. And I was like, that's terrible. I hate opera. And he was like, do you like Kristen Chenoweth? And I was like, I love Kristen Chenoweth. Do you like Audra McDonald? I love Audra McDonald. They studied opera and I was hooked. Now, I want you to tell the audience who may not know you and your voice mm-hmm. what your vocal part is. Um, so in college, I studied as a tenor, which is like the highest uh, male voice. But now I study as a countertenor, which is where a man sings in his head voice or his falsetto and sort of matches the range of like a soprano or a mezzo-soprano. Now, did you start that prior to doing drag or did drag help you want they, to They study? sort of coincided. Okay. Um, I had been, so when I moved to New York um, about three and a half years ago, I did opera professionally for a year and I was a tenor the whole time and it wasn't working. I had run up in this problem in, in college. There was like, my voice just wasn't working the way I wanted to. I wasn't succeeding the way I wanted to. And I, I'm an ambitious bitch. So I was like, this isn't working. What can I do? I went to my voice teacher. She was like, let's try you singing as a countertenor. And then I was like, oh, I love all this music that women get to sing. And now I can sing it. Let me put on a dress and try it out. And so I did. And the audience loved it. And it's been history ever since. Now, we're going we're gonna to get into the origins of your drag persona I love it. momentarily. But what brought you to New York and not all of the regional houses that do opera, like Santa Fe or somewhere like that? Um... So New York has the privilege of having not just um, the Metropolitan Opera, but a ton of very small opera companies um, who work with younger singers to help sort of mold them. If I were to stay in a, in a region which had like a regional opera company that was like a B or an A-level regional opera company like Santa Fe, I wouldn't be able to work there because sure. I was so young. But here I could work for, and I did work for, Bronx Opera, Chelsea Opera, Regina Opera, North Shore Music Festival, um, you know what I mean? All these small companies that don't pay very well, but give a lot of opportunities to learn new things. And I did in the first year, I worked with Four companies, I debuted five brand new roles. I did a six role that I'd already done before. I like hustled that shit. It's great. Yeah. Um, what was it like adjusting to the Big Apple? I did not have to adjust. So I have known since I was very young that Kentucky was not the right place for me. And in middle school, I visited New York for the first time and realized that this is where I needed to be. So I had been to New York every year since my eighth grade year visiting and by the time i was in college i wasn't visiting to be a tourist anymore i was going to like learn the city i was going to to learn about auditions exactly now when you came as a tourist yes did you just do tourist things or did you like explore well when i when i first started coming and i was like in fucking middle school and high school you know you were on like a tour group with a guy so you're going to times square and times square and times square right exactly like shoot me now That, that is new york um yeah but as soon as i so i remember my mother and i came my senior year 
without a tour just like we just wanted to go because she loves New York too and that we like dove in we were like just like going around we were trying to go to like the seediest places and like the cool like <laughs> find like weird theater off the beaten path all that cool stuff nice so I want to tell our audience something you are a married man I am a married man yes I'm a little housewife up here and you, you're young I'm very I'm 25 so let's hear the love story um I was at a house party trying very hard to hook up with this boy named Peter. Peter, if you're listening, this is all about you. He knows the story. He's heard <laughs> it before. Um, Peter and I had an on-again, off-again, uh, not official sort of romantic thing. I, like, painted him pictures and, like, went to his shows and we would, like, talk beautiful things in the car. And I went to this house party to hook up with him and he was making out with another boy when I got Scandal. there. And I was pissed! So I turn around, and there's this, like, quiet, kind of nerdy-looking guy on the couch, and he starts talking to me. And I'm kind of in a mood, but I'm like, whatever. I'll, like, talk to you. We'll have a good time. His name was Calvin. Um, but pretty quickly, I went home, because I was in a huff. Because I just wanted to suck some dick that night. Sure. And um, I was not sucking the dick that I wanted to suck. And a few days later, I get a text message that says, hey, this is Calvin from the party the other night. And I was like, Hey, how are you? And I Facebook stalked him and he had a bad haircut and a bad wardrobe. And I was like, mm, okay. And then we keep talking and we keep talking. And finally I invite him to a house party of mine. And by the time he gets there, I'm a little tipsy. And I'm just like, there's something about you. And I can't get away from it. So I like wrap my arm around the whole time. We go into a dark corner. We make out. Um, when the party's done, he's still there helping me clean up. And I'm like, you want to stay over, don't you? He was like, yeah, I do. And then he stayed in my apartment for three months. Wow. And now we're married. That's amazing. Yeah. It's very romantic. Oh my God, it was and wonderful. Also very gay. So gay. Listen, we were like lesbians though. We fucking U-hauled. As soon yeah. as he got there, I was like, you can move in. Welcome to my apartment. And he does not live here full time. No, he um, actually lives in Kentucky full time. He, uh, he works in politics. That's amazing. Yes. And what does that do for your relationship? Well, we have the privilege of having a non-monogamous relationship, um, which means that if we need to get our um, physical kicks or if we need to like have a little cuddle session um, and we're not around each other, we can do that with someone else who we enjoy the company of. But to be honest, it's actually worked out really well because him and I are both very busy. We're both very ambitious. So instead of sort of taking it for granted because we're around each other, but we're really busy. When we see each other, we make sure we have time for each other. We make, you know, plans to like go on dates and things. It's really cute. It's great. Yeah, I love it. Now, I know you've gone to Kentucky to visit him. Yes. When was the last time he was up here? Um, he came up here for New Year's Eve. That's sweet. Um, so he was here for my New Year's show. Um, your New Year's kiss. Yes, my New Year's kiss. It was wonderful. Although I was wearing makeup on New Year's Eve, so he didn't kiss me until we got home oh, and bitch. I wiped it all off. Oh, he hates the makeup. He hates it. So we're going to talk about the transition from Beverly Leslie Sills to Gilda Wabbit. Do you know there was a name before Beverly Leslie Sills? We're going to talk about it right now. Okay. Go for it. Um, so when I first started drag, and if you look in my tagged photos on Instagram right now, just a couple weeks ago, someone put a picture of my first time out. Uh, and what were you named at that point? I was named Amanda, but I spelled it A-M-A-N-D-U-H. Like, Amanda... That is a very basic um, first-time drag name. Fully. I also had friends who were like, listen, girl, that's kind of transphobic. Yeah. Um, and I was like, slay, I'm learning. So I changed my name to Beverly Leslie Sills very quickly. 
Like literally, my first time out in drag, I was Amanda, and then a couple weeks later, I was performing at the West End at Britta Filters show, mm-hmm. and I messaged her the day of the show and was like, "Can you introduce me as Beverly Leslie Sills instead of Amanda?" And she was like, uh, "Sure, whatever, Queen." <laughs> That's pretty. Yeah. Um, so let let's talk about the first name or the second name, and then the third name. Yes. How did you get come up with Beverly Leslie Sills? So I was a trained opera singer, and I was like a southern sissy. Beverly Sills is my favorite opera singer of all time. We share a birthday. I think she's amazing. So that was like, I want to pay homage to her. And then Beverly Leslie is the character from Will and Grace who's like, Mm -hmm. he's in the closet, but he's like a big Southern faggot. And he's played by Leslie Jordan, who I've met a few times. I'd seen him do his little like stand-up act. Um, And so I thought, oh my God, how clever. Beverly Leslie Sills. And so I started calling myself that name. And it was long and it was difficult to spell. And I talk fast, so the audience never understood what to call me. Because I was like, my name is Better Leslie Sills! Welcome to the show. (laughs) Terrible. And then comes Gilda Wabbit. Yeah, so I, every January, I go through a phase where I'm like, everything needs to change. And uh, I had spent my first year in drag, and it was January, and I was like, I'm hitting a plateau. What do I do to, like, make it out of this plateau? And I'd been sitting on the name Gilda Wabbit for a while because I thought maybe I'll have like a children's show persona like to do shows for yeah. kids yeah sure right <laughs> yeah knowing this one now, not, <laughs> not so much um, but Gilda Wabbit references the Bugs Bunny episode What's mm-hmm. Opera Doc uh, Elmer Fudd's like Gilda Wabbit Gilda Wabbit Gilda Wabbit and so I'd been sitting on this name and I was like I need a change what can I do and I thought let's do a rebrand because if I rebrand myself later it's far too late yes Everyone will know who I am. If I rebrand myself now, it's literally just at the right time. Like, I'm mostly working in Queens. People in Manhattan don't know me very well yet. This can, like, launch me into something else. So I rebranded. I started. That's when I became a redhead for real. Mm -hmm. Like, I was, like, really committing to, like, oranges and reds and auburns. Um, And I sort of, I became Gilda Wabbit. And it truly sort of set me free. Yeah. Yeah. Describe Gilda in three words. Smutty. Smart and silly. I would agree with that. That's good. I love an alliteration. I do too. Yeah. How long does it take to go from Sam to Gilda? If I really want to make it count, I can get there in an hour thirty. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Um, But I I like to take I like to take two hours really to give me like that extra half hour to finesse. Who are your drag inspirations? Varla Jean Merman. Full stop. Um, Amazing live singing, classically trained redhead. Um, we're obviously different characters, but like she's a huge deal to me. Um, Lipsinka, mm-hmm. another classic redheaded diva. I think she's so chic and so stylish, and I think her lip syncs are so innovative, and she's really they're smart. They're so smart. She's changed a generation of, of lip sync artists. Absolutely. Because now we make mixes because of Lipsinka. Um, and then also, I'm really inspired by Courtney Act. Um, I know she's more of like a modern diva but i think she's so well spoken she's so intellectual she's so warm and generous i really aspire to be those things that's great yeah um i want to talk about your experience doing so you think you can drag great how did you get involved um so i'm an ambitious bitch and i was still beverly leslie sells at the time right and i had just come off of a competition called new york's next top drag queen and in New York's Next Top Drag Queen, I was sort of, I, I had felt like the judges had loved everything that I'd done, and so I thought I was going to win, and I ended up second runner-up. And I was 
a little crushed by that. Two. Two. Uh, Nomi Sass was first runner-up, and Shirley You Just was the winner. Um, and I was like frustrated with my performance um, because you can't you can't really play the victim. You can never say like, oh, the judges didn't like me. You have to say, okay, if I didn't win, what can I do better next time? So I thought, let me apply for So You Think You Can Drag to do another large competition and see if I can push myself further to do even better. Um, and I auditioned and Paige Turner emailed me back a couple of weeks later and was like, I think you're in queen, let's do this. What can you, what can you pull out for us? And what did you pull out? Um, first week I did my very first burlesque number. Um, I also did a winning Vegas week number, which was a partner dance with my friend Les to um, Rosemary Clooney's song mixed in with dialogue about like making someone a, be a better kisser. Nice. So Les played like the guy who couldn't kiss and I taught him how to make out with me. Um, and then I also, I didn't win the final lip sync that week, but I was in the top two for Halloween week and I did an opera number. Um, I, I did um, Regnava del Silenzio, which is from... Hold on. I did Regnava Nel Silenzio, which is from Lucia di Lammermoor. I did the Beverly Sills version, and I mixed it in with some uh, scary ghost dialogue, and I also used my friend Les. He's like a good luck charm for me. Of course. Yeah. So you are an operatic diva. Absolutely. What is it like bringing that genre into the drag scene, and what obstacles do you face when you enter a room of people seeking top 40? I find it really gratifying, because one of the things I've been the most passionate about since becoming a, a singer is educating people, mm -hmm. um, especially about opera. I find opera so exciting. I find it sexy and gritty and violent and funny and uh, beautiful. And I think there's a barrier to entry that not everyone um, can break through. And so my goal as a singer is to take Puccini, take Mozart, take Verdi to an audience in a bar. And the barrier in a bar is that people don't really know what they're gonna see. So I start every show not doing opera. I start every show either singing something like Sweet Transvestite or I'll give them a pop number like Come On Over, Christina Aguilera um, or Into You, Ariana Grande, something like that. Something that's they expect of a drag queen. Something that's, you know, yeah. maybe people might call it a little basic, um, but you do that to invite them to you. Sure. You do that to say, welcome to my show. This is what you want. I'm gonna give it to you. And then I give them you know, the aria, maybe a couple numbers in or about halfway through to sort of surprise them. And by that point, they're on my side and they listen to it. And then, of course, I think I sing my fucking face off. And that's how you become, uh, get many fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have Body Bingo at Albatross. Yes. Wabbit Hole Wednesday and Icon. Yes. You are the Astoria Queen. I, I've, I feel like I have really taken over Astoria, yeah. What Manhattan bar would you like to conquer and make your next home? Do you know what I would, where I would love to work is Club Coming. Okay. Um, I, Club Coming, I know, is known for like sort of like a weirder, grittier... Um, They're like a smoky um, cabaret house. Exactly. I, I, that covers as a bar. Queens that I'm obsessed with work there. I'm obsessed with Daphne um, always. I love Rosé, who's hosting their all-stars show now. Um, so I would love to work there because I would love to explore... Gilda Wabbit's like grittier side and I would love to work in a venue that really appreciates live singing. Yeah. And they do. Yeah. It's like almost, it's like a speakeasy. Yeah. Which I would fit in so well. Yeah. I've, I've been saying since the beginning of my drag career, I want to wear beautiful dresses and sing beautiful music and make my audience laugh. And I haven't found a show where I can do just that yet. 
And I think at Club Coming, I could It's succeed. a place to park and bark. Yeah, exactly. And I think they would love me. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's make it happen, universe. I know. Come on, Alan Cumming, hire me. What New York City drag queen that you've yet to work with is on your dream list? Shaquita Hall. Shaquita, she's, yes. She's also a trained opera singer. She is. She can sing the house down boots. Yes, she can. Um, and I would love, I don't even think I'm on her radar right now, and I would love to introduce myself to her and work have you, with her. Have you met her? No, we've not had the privilege yet because... Well, then just do Drag Wars one week just for shits and giggles. I should. I and have Mondays opera. free now. I and have Mondays free. And do <gasps> opera. You should just do it. Michael. What just a great plan. Let me know and I'll be there. Ah, I'm so excited. And then everyone else would be like, Egypt and Jasmine Kennedy would be like, what the fuck? Maya's Gilda Wabbit here. <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm I mean, here to meet well, you. Honestly, I love you, Egypt. But why? You don't have to do that anymore. You're, you're so good. Someone give Egypt a show. I know, right? Come on, girl. She's so good. I know. Okay. Or don't give her a show. She should quit drag because there's not enough room okay, for really good drag queens everywhere. Egypt, I love you. <laughs> Egypt, I'm getting you on the show soon. Yes. Um, how do you that. think you've influenced the current landscape of drag? Well, I think I think along with Suddenly Seymour, I've really helped to revitalize the scene in Queens. Um, she was there constantly before I really got there, um, but I've pushed along with her to really get a scene going. And now Albatross and Icon both have drag queens regularly. There are even like straight bars, like No Partners Bar, they're trying things out with Clarice Dubois. She had a show there for a while. Um, so I, that's a good influence. And I also, I, I'm trying really hard and I may not be succeeding. I don't know what everyone's opinion of me is, but I try really hard whenever I step into a room to make people feel welcome and to make them feel comfortable um, and I think that that is something that my audiences remember, and I would like to become more of a trend in the drag scene. That's great. Yeah. What are your drag goals? What do you want to try? I mean, I, as someone who's really passionate about opera, as somebody who really wants to educate people, I want to break through into the opera world. Um, I also want to tour so that more audiences can see what I do. Um, I just did a show for... Um, the donors at Philly Opera in Philadelphia. Fantastic. I hosted, I, I was a, a guest of honor at an event at the Metropolitan Opera. Um, so I'm trying really hard to bring opera to drag, but also to bring drag to the opera world. Do you want to know a collaboration I want to see right now? Tell me, baby. Gilda Wabbit and Rufus Wainwright. Oh my God, I would live. <gasps> I mean, I know his opera wasn't like the greatest. But still. But still. That's a collaboration I think that needs to happen. I would love that. I also just want to meet Rufus Wainwright, so if that's the way I have to meet Rufus, then... That's fine. I'll, I will, Rufus, I will sing Cigarettes and Chocolate Milk with you, and we will have a great day. Okay, that's a request. I want to see um, Gilda do Cigarettes and Chocolate Milk at, an, at the next show I'm at. Oh, so I need to prepare it for Thursday? Yeah. Great. That's going on my list. I'm making notes. Perfect. Um, you are about to make your duplex debut yes. with Open Season. Yes. What inspired the show? Um, so I've been talking to the duplex for a little while about getting a show together, and when they suggested the date of February 16th, I was like, oh, I need to sort of work in the Valentine's Day thing, but I didn't want it to be like, Gilda Wabbit sings love songs, or the opposite, like, Gilda Wabbit sings sad songs. So I thought, I have a non-traditional relationship, and as someone who's passionate about education, I'm really passionate about talking to people about non-monogamy. Um, so I thought, let me do a show about being... A open. An open, yeah, being open. That's why it's called Open Season. It's a play on the fact that I'm a wabbit. It's a play on my non-monogamous relationship. Um, and it's sort of about how much I love my husband, but also the like wild adventures of like quote-unquote dating after you're already married. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's amazing. What can we expect to see? Um, you can expect to see Gilda Wabbit doing numbers you've never seen her do. My um, musical director, Stephen Ray Watkins, has really challenged me to um, film most of the show with numbers that you haven't seen me sing yet. Um, you can also expect me to bring you the things that you love, um, which is me being silly. You can expect me to sing high notes. Um, you can expect me to sing really beautiful music. Um, and I'm hoping to surprise you just a little bit. Um, Will it be you and a piano, or are you going to have any other surprise people? Me, a piano, and that's fucking it. Because nice. that's that's my dream. And a beautiful peignoir gown created by Gloria Swanson. Of course. Yes. I spent are, you, are you moving the piano to like center stage so you can like sit on it? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be like like I'm I'm from an opera background, so I'm used to recitals, which is sure. where you like you plan like an hour's worth of music and you sit at the piano and you sing. And I'm gonna sort of break those rules. I did that in college anyway. I like talk a lot. Um, but I wanna like look like a beautiful lounge singer in a great gown singing. Now, did your musical director help you choose the music, or was it a collaboration? Definitely a collaboration. Um, I came in with a lot of repertoire ideas, and he challenged me to find more and to find things that I, people wouldn't think of me singing or to find things that aren't sung very often. Um, so it's a collaboration. We've been working really hard together, and now my job is just to memorize the fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. I have two weeks. Holy shit. So you were a viral meme last year with Future Liberals Want. Yeah. What did it feel like to find this newfound infamy through a photograph? One, it was exciting. Uh, two, it was terrifying. I did not have a social media infrastructure in place to like really respond to it. Um, which is why I think, even though I capitalized on it a little bit, I think I sort of missed some opportunities. But it taught me a lot. It was very educational. What, what did you learn? Um, I learned, one, that... I need to have content constantly. I've revamped my Twitter game and my Instagram game um, to match. I'm trying to find what makes my, what tickles my pickle in terms of video creation um, because I think my video content is sorely lacking. Um, but that's what it taught me is to have like an infrastructure for creating content so that when people come to you and they came mm -hmm. after that meme happened, they had stuff to stick around for. What was scary about it? Did you f get pushback? I got a little bit of pushback, but most of it was from trolls, and trolls right. don't really bother me. Um, what was scary was making sure that I spoke eloquently and spoke correctly about what I was talking about, because a lot of times I was thrust into a situation where I had to talk about diversity in America. And yes, I'm a drag queen, but I'm like a middle-class, white, cis, gay dude. You know what I mean? From the Midwest. So like, I don't really represent the diversity that the woman in the niqab next to me represented, right. but she never got to speak. You know what I mean? And I don't represent the diversity that Buba Berry, the Ghanaian immigrant photographer who took the picture, represented, but I ended up being the face of it anyway. Right. Um, so I had to be very careful with my words and very careful about how I represented those that people were asking me to speak for. And also to make sure that I was turning the lens back on them and say, talk to Bubba Berry. Like, talk to women who wear niqabs, who feel like the need to wear modesty garb in public. Don't just talk to me. That's great. Yeah, It's amazing. How do drag and politics go hand in hand? I mean, drag has always been fucking political. We hear it all the time. Um, you know, back, back a long time ago when a lot of trans women 
worked in the drag world and a lot of drag queens, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they are, the, the trans women and the drag queens are what started the gay rights movement. Um, and that's a huge deal. And so we've always been really political. And now drag is sort of on the forefront. Drag has been on the forefront of, like, talking about mental health. Drag has been on the forefront about talking about our elections. Drag has been on the forefront about talking about uh, gender and femininity and feminism, um, which is such an interesting place to be. That's amazing. Yeah. How do you stay focused and committed to your art? Bitch. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What a question. Um, I mean, I... People always told me, if you can imagine yourself doing anything else, don't be a performer. And I have managed a Dunkin' Donuts and worked at a Kohl's and managed a Bear Burger. And, like, I had been uh, a coordinator for an opera outreach program. Like, I've done a shit ton of things, and I've hated them all. And the easiest way for me to stay focused on drag is the fact that drag just, like, turns me on. Like, it makes me so excited. I love it so much. And even when it is exhausting, and even when I am, like, dead fucking tired, I would rather get up the next day and put on makeup than get up and go to a fucking, like, go work a waiting shift. You know? Absolutely. Now, you did So You Think You Can Drag. Yes. And I, for me, something that I really appreciated what Paige did mm-hmm. was she really found the talent in the next class of queens yep. that are going to take over the city. And your class uh, from that season, they're doing pretty damn well. Thanks. Do you ever find yourself comparing yourself to your sisters? Is there a competition or is it, or do you like forget about that and just do you? I try really hard to forget about that and to just do me because I think it's much easier to be successful um, when you focus on doing your own best work as opposed to comparing yourself to others. I am not always successful in blocking out what other people are doing. There are a few queens in the city who really, uh, who I find myself really jealous of and I have to like breathe and take a moment and remember that their success isn't attacking me. Their success is building up the scene so I can be inspired to like follow in their footsteps. That's great. Yeah. Why is drag important for the community? I think drag in general tries to create a safe and entertaining space for queer people to be fully themselves and to uh, inspire people to be unapologetically who they are. And so I think it's very, very important for drag queens to continue doing what they're doing. And also, I think it's important for drag queens to stay weird. I know that we live in a time of RuPaul's Drag Race, which has sort of codified and streamlined what drag should be. And it's really easy to get caught up in that. And I'm this, I, I do get caught up in that because mm-hmm. it's a great way to get Instagram followers. It's a great way to get bars to hire you. But you need to find what makes you different and hold on to that because that's what makes drag inspiring. If we all end up looking like Pheromone and doing numbers like Shea Coulee, no one will give a fuck in five sure. years. You know? So we're going to lighten the mood a little bit. Love it. We are going to play my favorite game, Tea Time. <gasps> so you're going to spill some tea, share some stories on some of your sisters. Okay. We are going to start with Gina Tonic. Gina Tonic of the currently dead Sisters Drag Brunch. They're, they're, in, they're in limbo. They're, they're in purgatory. Yes. They'll come back, I'm sure. Yeah. Go call Almond. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, I mean, Gina Tonic and I have been working together since the very beginning. She was one of the first queens who reached out to me on Instagram. Yeah, we heard the story on the podcast. Yes. Um, did she tell you that I wanted to fuck her brains out at first? Absolutely. Yes. That's what she said. Um, and 
we 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 obviously did brunch together and we've worked together plenty of times. My my favorite thing about Gina Tonic is that at brunch she she's really great at holding herself together during her show when she's drunk. But after the show's over, all bets are off. Yes. And my favorite was watching her week after week fall asleep in the office downstairs in like her <laughs> underwear. She had like gotten out of drag but not gotten back into like boy clothes and was just like sleeping at the desk. And I of feel course. Like, Gina. Gina, we have to go, Gina. It's That's five funny. o'clock. Yeah. Next up is Emmy Great. Emmy Great. So Emmy Great, every January I lose a duo show. <laughs> um, last year, this January it was me and Gina. Last January it was me and Emmy Great. Um, I, I will say Emmy Great and I took different paths and we sort of grew apart. And I think that we both needed to figure ourselves out. Uh, when we lost our show and we sort of grew apart. But now Emmy has become like the foremost content producer in Brooklyn. She is making all these shows. She is paying the queens who work for her. She is bringing them in from around the region. I'm very inspired by the work she does. It's great. Yeah. I saw her show um, the other day, and it's different. Yeah. It's different. She's a unique one. Yeah, which I love. Dive into what makes you different, girl. Keep being a weirdo. Next up is Safira Cristal. Oh, Safira <gasps> Cristal. That is a bitch who can sing opera. Mm-hmm. That is a bitch who can lip sync and dance the house down. That is a bitch who can spend 10 minutes on her makeup when I spend an hour and still look better than me. Safira Cristal is the life, the truth, and the way. Um, she's amazing. She's amazing. She's amazing. I um, want to sleep with her and her husband and her boyfriend. Great, of course. Yeah. So that would make you the side piece? Yeah, I'll be the side piece. Let me be the guest star for a night. You can be the houseboy. Oh, I'll take it. Next up is Adriana Trenta. Oh, Adriana! Um, So Adriana's one of my sisters. We both competed in So You Think You Can Drag. Um, Adriana has had a strong glow up lately. The makeup game is good, girl. You're getting much better. Um, We used to read her to fucking filth um, Mm -hmm. because she was very, she's very ambitious. And she wears that on her sleeve. Um, and backstage, it sort of comes off like milk on drag race. Uh-oh. You know what I mean? Um, but she's really fucking talented, and the bitch can dance. And you do a show with her at Boots yes. occasionally. Yes, at Boots occasionally, yes. We, we, Boots hasn't solidified the schedule yet, but uh, usually one Friday a month, um, Boudoir La Fleur, Adriana Trenta, and I are at Boots and Saddle for Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll. And who is which? Um, oh, I'm sex. I'll just let you know that. I'm sex right then and there. Um, but you can decide who's on drugs and who's doing rock and roll when you come to the show. <laughs> Next up is Gloria Swansong. Gloria Swansong, who I'm actually debuting a show with Saturday. Yes, um, yes. In Hoboken, New Jersey, putting on the glitz. We're uh, expanding out of New York. You know, there's a ton of queens here, so let's find some new venues to work at. Um, she's amazing. She can lip sync the house down. She is beautiful. I like want to work with her mostly to learn how to dress myself better. Um, also, she's a shady fucking bitch. Yes, she is. Um, I love her. One of my favorite things ever was I was talking to her once, and I was like, yeah, I've never heard you or Gina talk about me behind my back. And she was like, oh, Gina never talks about you behind your back. <laughs> but she left it open that she might. Oh, she wow. might. Yeah. Oh, oh, now I have to catch myself. Oh, mm. no. oh, no. Next is someone who is new to me. Okay. Aria Durchi. <sighs> So if you ever come to my Wednesday show at Icon in Astoria, and you should, Aria Derchi is my DJ and she performs as well. She started coming to my shows a couple months ago in drag constantly. And I was like, listen, bitch, do you have Wednesdays off? Because I love your personality. I think your drag style is interesting. She sort of looks like 
like a quirky uh, f- art film from France heroine. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's like the Amelie of drag. And um, she came to my show, and she was DJing for me, and she started performing, and she has never disappointed. She's weird, she's kooky, she's artsy, but she is committed. Watching her is so entertaining. So when I went to um, Wabbit Hole Wednesdays uh, with Wendy Waxwood Yes, the day that I was gone. uh, She was there, and it was the first time I've seen her before. And all of a sudden, like late in Act 2, she's like, I'm going to do Jacques Brel's Carousel. And I was like, okay. Okay, let's do it. And she did it. And I was like, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen that I didn't know I wanted. Yeah. She does this really cool number, um, Eartha Kitt's The Day the Circus Left Town. And there are like like gags in it that I'm not going to talk to you about, but I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, she she was wonderful. I'm really excited to see her again. Yeah. I'll Um, have to tempt you back out to another rabbit hole in there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I will say, because she did Carousel, it led to a conversation about the revival of Carousel. To which Wendy Waxwood read me to filth. <gasps> um, you, if you follow me, or if you're friends with me on Facebook, go back to the day I w- the day I was there. Um, someone tags me in a post with Wendy's read, and it was gagged. I need to go look it, it up. It was great. I need to go um, look it up. I my my mouth was on the floor for a good solid five minutes. I was great. at home sucking my husband's dick, so I missed that read. Well, last stop would be Honey Davenport. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so again, if you go and look in my tagged photos on Instagram, (laughs) you can see a beautiful sunrise picture, and there is a brown, uh, shape in the far background. It it is a moon, darling. Um, Honey Davenport is a queen who I've worked with so many times, and she's, uh, first of all, super fucking talented. Uh, a huge inspiration. Her hustle is crazy. But, um, one night on Fire Island, uh, we got drunk, and... Honey and I decided that we were going to bone the fuck out of each other. And we ended up on a beach at 6 a.m. on the sunrise. (sighs) Not enough lubricant. Way too much sand. Um, (laughs) But before I tapped out, because that bitch's dick is huge, um, our friend and manager, my manager, uh, and our friend Lindsay Kay took a beautiful picture of the sunrise, posted it on Facebook, and then realized that Honey was in the background. And you don't see it in the picture, but in front of Honey is me, like, face on in the sand, being like, no, take it out! Oh my god, it's huge! <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. That, that is the probably best tea time story we've gotten so far. Oh, I'm great. Listen, if you want to hear a bunch of uh, stories about all the sex that I have, just come to open season at the duplex. Or find her on Grinder. Or find me on... Oh, bitch, find me on Grinder. I have some success stories with Grinder. <laughs> So we're going to do some fun, random, crazy questions. I love that. Crazy is great. Who would you do for Snatch Game? Kristen Chenoweth. Okay. Yes, and I would call Ru Rufaba. That is very cute, and you should be warned that the pers- anyone listening who gets on before you is probably going to do that. That's fine. Take if, it, bitch, because I'm going to make it Give her credit. If you could be any meme, what would you be? I would be, do you know the stock photo of the girlfriend looking at the boyfriend and she's angry and he's looking at somebody else? I would be that girl looking at the boyfriend and that boyfriend would be Manhattan audiences and the other girl he's looking at would be Jansport. (laughs) Oh God. That's funny. That's funny. (laughs) If you could be in any opera, what would it be? As Gilda. As Gilda. Okay. This is legit for real and I could sing my face off if we did it. I would want to be in The Marriage of Figaro as Barbarina, who's like the young, saucy maid character. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's cute. I already sing her aria. Just like, let me audition, Metropolitan. Let me audition. Um, I think we kind of got the answer to this anyway, but we're, we're, I'm just going to ask you again. Uh-huh. Who is your New York City drag queen hall pass? Hall pass? 
you know, like, if you, like, have sex with somebody, who is it? Oh, who would I have sex with? Like, if, so the hall, a hall pass is, like, when partners are, like, given one person that, like, oh, if, like, this celebrity ever appears, you can have sex oh, with Oh, I'm so sorry. That reference went right over my That's head. Okay. Um, who, who would I... I mean, I've already had sex with Honey Davenport. Um, you know who I would love to have sex with? Say it. Tara Hyman. She is just as slutty as I am, and I would like, and she, I've seen her gym pictures, and she is a smoking hot boy, and uh, I would love to uh, test those waters, although I might have to take some penicillin afterwards, based on, <laughs> based on what I've heard about her. Um, next question is, what are you getting your manager, Lindsay K for Valentine's Day? I'm getting my manager, Lindsay K for Valentine's Day, a Xanax, a bottle of white wine, and a joint. That's amazing. Yes. She needs it. She needs it. She needs it. <laughs> um... And even though this question, so this is going to be aired after the facts, but yes. who is going to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> Who's playing? The Eagles and the Patriots. Um, I'm going to go with the Eagles because right now patriotism is apparently dead. Great. There you have it. The Eagles are winning the Super Bowl. We will find out in a couple days. Hope I win. Uh, Love so your now hair. Is, <laughs> now is the pop five rapid fire. So Great. we're going to give first phrase, thought, whatever story, whatever you want to say, okay. to these five things. Number one is Meryl Streep on Big Little Lies. Didn't watch Big Little Lies, Meryl Streep's a goddess. Great. Are you going to watch, you should now go back and watch Big Little Lies because it's so good. Okay, I should. I, I just finished The Adventures of Mrs. Maisel, so I'll watch that instead. Number two, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, amazing, revolutionary, she's brilliant, that actress better work everywhere, I want to be a comedian. Are you going to introduce any of her numbers or bits into your shows? I'm heavily considering it because she's really funny. If I can find a way to mix them, those stand-up routines are going in. Great. Number three, the State of the Union Address. Um, didn't watch it, but somebody said that Donald Trump clapped for himself and was racist, and that sounds on par. That's, that's on brand. Yep. Number four is Omarosa. Um, I never watched The Apprentice. I forgot that she was part of the White House until she was fired. Uh, sorry people treat you like shit. Are you going to watch Celebrity Big Brother? No. I, the only thing that I've watched on Celebrity Big Brother is Courtney Act, and I literally go to YouTube and find the, the, the little clips. YouTube clips that are like every moment of Courtney Act in this episode, and that's all I watch. Well, you should watch um, Celebrity Big Brother, because I'm a fan of it. Fierce. But uh, Ross Matthews is on... Oh, the, Ross! Marissa Jarrett Winoker. Don't know who she is. Uh, Tracy Turnblad, the original. Oh, Fierce! Oh, God, that Tony was bad Winner. of me. That was bad Tony of me. Tony Winner. Ah, I'm fired! And number five is the Me Too movement. The Me Too movement, um, brilliant, amazing, so grateful. We um, need to give space to these women who have been speaking. We also need to remember, and this has been sort of brushed over, that a lot of people who started the Me Too movement were women of color. And now it's uh, been largely pointed out. Like, it's been people who have been recognized are like the white women who've come forward, which happens all the time. It was the same with the Women's March and the Happens. And intersectional femininity, hold on. Intersectional feminism... I can speak, I swear, is very important. So we have to remember the women of color who started it. Um, but I think it's great. I'm glad that we are talking about this now. Yeah. Yeah. So I get a question from my previous guest great. to ask my current guest. Okay. So this is a question from Jensen Clifford. Okay. Would you rather have a conversation with yourself from 10 years ago or 10 years in the future and why? 10 years from the future. I'm always looking forward. I'm trying never to look back. That's great. Yeah. I like that answer. Thank you. Guess what? What? Now it's your turn to ask my next guest a question. Do I know who they are? No, you do not. Okay. Um, I want to ask your next guest, who would you rather let strap it on and fuck you? Julie Andrews or Judy Dench? All right. 
I'm excited because I'm not sure which one, who my next guest is going to be. There's a couple options, so it's going to be great. I'm excited. Thrilled. I'm thrilled. Um, so if you've gotten this far in the podcast, use hashtag open season. Yes. Where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Grindher, Grubhub, Venmo, and Ashley Madison at Gildawabbit. That's G-I-L-D-A-W-A-B-B-I-T. The BB stands for bareback because I took my Truvada this morning. And that's a prepared queen. Yes. You can also find me at Gildawabbit.com. www.gildawabbit.com. She owns the domain. How, how often do you update that? Um, the website is sort of self-updating. There's a calendar that I, uh, is attached to my Google calendar, so it's self-updating, and it attaches to... I hope you don't put your dates on there. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. We, th- those go under non-Wabbit stuff. Um, there's also a link to my YouTube channel that's self-updating, and my Instagram is there. Um, but I just went through, actually, last month and updated the copy and put, um, brand new photo shoots on the website. Amazing. So, it's fresh, it's clean, it's looking good. So, open season, Friday, February 16th at 9.30 p.m. at the Duplex Cabaret and Piano Bar. Yes, sir. Are you excited? I'm thrilled. This is, like, what I want to do, is, like, to, to get up and sing and tell stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm well, so grateful. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. People go see it. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. This is a privilege. Huge thanks to Gilda for joining me. If you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review and consider supporting the podcast and Theater of the Now by becoming a patron. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. <laughs>